Hello and welcome to Dungeoneered, a podcast dedicated to discussing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. Let's do this. So this week, Josh, I was perusing Reddit, the best place to go to find all your relevant information. And I came upon a post, which you may have seen or, uh, or not, because it was in one of the D&D subreddits, but it was mm. a post about fishing. Interesting. And so I thought, what better way to start the episode than to discuss how you'd make fishing interesting in D&D? Easy. And have you actually done that? No, but easy. Oh, easy. Yeah, you take Animal Crossing, you look <laughs> at their fishing co- their fishing competitions, you do that in D&D. I was thinking you'd take like Stardew Valley. Have you ever played Stardew Valley? Uh, yeah, but I hate their fishing in it. I could never... I, I. Oh, it's the best fishing system ever. You hate it? No, I, I, I don't know. I've seen better, but I've also seen worse. No. I just, I just didn't enjoy it very much. That was all. But I did, it's a personal preference thing, honestly. Oh, but it's such a fun little mini game. It's so addicting. You have to keep the fish in the little bar as it like goes up and down. Are you kidding me? You like but, Animal Crossing fishing better than that? Um... I, I, it's less cluttered, that's for sure. I don't know if it's better. Animal Crossing is just like a tink, and then you get the fish. Yeah, I know. So it should that's be a so little boring. more skill-based, but also, I don't, I just, yeah. Is it because you suck at Stardew Valley's fishing? It's okay to be honest. No, I, I never really did it that much. Uh, I Josh, it's okay to be honest. We all have our faults, Stardew except for Valley, me. Stardew it, Valley, it's a good game. I love Stardew Valley. It's a great game. It's just, it, it's not very good at getting certain players into it you have to be the type of player that enjoys that like like finding the fun and kind of like this is a hot take the game uh so with stardew valley like i i tried and it just felt like every it seemed okay so i i have played harvest moons my entire life i love harvest moon i have gone back recently and played one of the harvest moons through like the playstation plus because you can play it and it was the one that i played yeah. as a kid camera is terrible oh it's so irritating to work on that camera but <laughs> relate relate to that <laughs> but it is a great game and i mean even when you when you have to run around the whole town just to find one character like it's just so good but there's a clear progression that was in that game like you upgrade something or you you advance in some way it's immediately evident how to use it or how to like keep it going they yeah, teach you all those things i guess stardew valley i i bought a barn i i did all the stuff to get a barn i bought animals and it just felt like i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't use it like it just it felt like i had just bought this thing that was pretty much useless because like I, <laughs> It, it wow, just, I didn't know was, you had such strong feelings about Stardew Valley. Yeah, it was I well the thing is I want to love it so much. I want this to be a game it's that so I enjoy. Good. Oh, it's I, so I, good. In the end, I just made it a dungeon crawler and would just crawl that dungeon. <laughs> and that's you just it. Just do the mines. No. That's it. You didn't even get married. I gave people I gave the person I liked a bunch of gifts. And then uh. what happened was right before I got them to like max love me like one of those festivals weird statement <laughs> it's true it's true it's a, it's a weird it's a weird game uh, one of those festivals where like if you had them loving you at that point you get to have this really great moment i, it, I missed it because i didn't they didn't like me enough by the time it was really irritating yeah. what like the the flower dance or whatever I, I think it was i think that's what it was and then you can't dance and yeah, it was just, just like oh, it was so close and watch but, everybody else dance. Yeah, it was yeah. Oh, but yeah, no. so the, I mean, yeah, yeah. I just it just didn't hook me. But, okay. Oh but my related gosh. To hooking. No, no, stop fishing no, in D and D. Have you actually ran fishing in D and D though? Uh, not really. I mean, I've done like survival checks to like gather food, which if you were I, on the I, coast I actually, or if you were by a river and you wanted to gather fish that would be i actually i actually had my players fish in the last campaign i mean i that's a great that's if that's what they want to do yeah i i uh no it was just a random encounter along the road it was this huge like spire on a beach with like tide pools as like the tide would crash in mm-hmm. and when they went and like investigated the tide pools they found a bunch of fish and each different fish had like a different stat related to it so like one of them would be really fast you had to use like a dex check to try and grab it before it swam away another one was like really big and strong and like pull you into the water it was really fun <laughs> so it was more like just grabbing that fish or 
it was yeah really so fishy. they didn't have like fishing poles or anything yeah. so like they like waded into the water to try and grab fish and i made like a bunch of fish like the spire fish a barrel fish speaking of barrels <laughs> i made a spider crab a dragon fish a prism fish socket fish and they all had different like little fun things anyways <laughs> so stupid it was so fun interesting ah oh, good times good times. So that's, that's an interesting way of doing it like you don't require them to have equipment you just kind of give them the opportunity they see these things going on and then if they want to engage with it they can yeah so that's pretty much what it was but how i used it was there was an important npc that was on the beach this like monk this like a uh, I don't want to say like old ancient monk, but he was just this like wise monk that they were, they ran into mm-hmm. that was sitting on top of the tide pool spires and yeah. he was also fishing and they saw him doing it and they were like, whoa. <laughs> so they ended up talking to this cool NPC and fishing with him when um, it was really, really fun. Interesting. <laughs> I know. Totally random. Yeah. I mean, but that's still a way of, of kind of making the world, it makes, makes it feel like that character isn't just waiting for the players. It makes them yep. feel like they had a life and they were doing something when the players came upon them, which yeah. also engages them with a mechanic that you built ahead of time, which is a great idea for anybody listening, just kind of doing, having them do, if you want to show them something or give them a chance to do something, like a weird little game or what whatnot, having them need to talk to an NPC that's engaging or about to engage in that, yep. whether it's like a jousting tournament or fishing in this case, Yep. Just having them kind of need to talk to somebody about to be involved in that. Not saying yeah. you have to get involved with this, but just giving them the opportunity like, yep. hey, we're already here. A lot of players yeah. will love to jump in on that. Yeah. I mean, the best the best thing that happened, too, is they didn't even follow the monk to his village or didn't. They just had a quick conversation with him and just left. They just kept going down the beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they didn't. I had like a whole village and everything all planned out for them to go to the village. It was this like whole like wine village. Uh, it was like a crazy whole huge thing, and they just, nope. It <laughs> just, well, you're a nice man, and then they left. <laughs> and somehow, they just totally sometimes him. that's how it is with yep, an NPC. It is. They're just like, oh, hey, bye. And you're like, yep. oh, he had backstory and friends yep. and family, yeah, yeah. and oh, never mind. Yeah, yeah, the village was called Red Spire, and there was a whole bunch of, because it was like around that red spot, around the huge giant spire on the beach, you could like see it from the village, and they just kept going. They were like, "We don't have time to stop here," <laughs> and they just kept walking. <laughs> yeah, good times. Well, <sighs> some NPCs are easy to miss, but something that's not easy to miss. Oh my gosh, your segues <laughs> though, dude. <laughs> so good. Is something you can't quite avoid, like a big bad evil guy. Oh, true, true. No, are, we, mentioned... are we doing big bad evil guys? No, we're going to create a warlock patron. <sighs> I've mentioned oh. these guys a few times through the episodes that we've we've had and even said that they were my big bad evil guy in a campaign I had planned. Don't worry to any of my, any of my players listening. The next campaign that we're playing does not have these guys as the big bad evil guy, so no spoilers. Oh. oh. We're going to talk about elder evils. Elder evils. Yes. I don't think I've ever heard of an elder evil. I hadn't. Well, I, you had definitely have heard of one of them. Hadar is an elder evil. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I have heard of one yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, to be fair, I haven't even heard of Hadar until uh, until when I told you it was a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You're like, I wait, I thought it was just me. like <laughs> you were. You thought it was just spells that were named Hunger of Hadar. I, I thought it was like, just. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even I mean. Honestly, I didn't even register that Hadar spells and Hadar in like D and D is an actual thing. I just mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't even. I mean, know you also what knew. Yeah, you also you also like thought that there was there was some creatures uh, things in uh, Critical Role that you're like, wait, that's not just a Matt Mercer thing. Like here, mm-hmm. I bet you, I bet you think this one is Matthew Mercer made. Uh, the Chained Oblivion. There no, is he, Dune. isn't he? A, isn't he Thera's Dune? Yeah, yeah. Thera's yeah, Dune. That. The Chained Oblivion is in D and D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think Matt Mercer does mostly like D and D lore. Just kind of changes it, puts it in his world a little bit. Uh, I, I he he does so much editing of of yeah. the lore, but I think he like he keeps some of it for like yeah. uh, almost like as a homage to it. It feels like yeah, like a lot of the deities, like he completely makes how they act and their emotions and what their plans are. But like their names and kind of the basic understanding, like the stereotypes of them is the same from the game, from D&D yeah. lore. I mean, he also is making like 
books for the D&D universe, so. Yeah, he is helping guess, with a lot of those, too, yeah. I guess that kind of, like, helps in that. But I think he's also been playing it for so long that he ha- feels this connection with the D&D yeah. lore. Like, he's been playing since this thing was created. I'm sure he played with El- Elder Evils at one point. Yeah. Because yeah. Elder Evils I've literally never even in a supplement for 3.5. Ah, the best edition. <laughs> it was a book entirely devoted to a new end campaign content. This content was all super powerful monstrosities. These beings are all alien, and nearly all of them are aimed at world destruction. In this book specifically, there were nine of them. Nine of these elder evils. The nine in the book were, first, Atropus, the world-born dead. He was an undead Atropol, which we've talked about those before. Those were kind of the uh, stillborn gods. Oh, is that like the baby fetus god? Yeah, but this one was in the form of a small moon. Gross. Atropus is said to be the first Atropol to ever exist. That's so gross. The next the one in the... is so nasty. Oh, yeah. If you look up an Atropol, like, I think the one that most shows up now is the one from Tomb of Annihilation, and it it's is horrifying. So gross. It's nasty. Now, the second one that was in the book is Father Limic, an alien monster of intense power from the far realm, the plane of madness far from the standard planes. He escaped this plane of madness and was stopped from harming anyone else by elven mages that imprisoned him in ice. Now, for you, Rough. Aaron, a lot of these, uh, they have pictures that I've posted in our <laughs> Discord for them. Yeah, for those of you at home, you can look them up online. The next is the Hulks of Zoretha. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, let's go back to Father for a second. Okay. Father doesn't even have opposable thumbs. What is he supposed to do? So, already uh, for those of you at home who, who don't... You can't see him. Uh, he's a really weird-looking bug. Yeah, he's got like praying mantis. Yeah, praying mantis arms. Yeah, but so he doesn't have so one of the things, he can't even hold a glass of water. So one of the things about uh, elder evils is that a lot of them, <laughs> power-wise and kind of their story, is based off of H.P. <coughs> Lovecraft. So H.P. Lovecraft. What is that? Am I'm I, sorry. What did you just say? Did you say? What is H.P. Lovecraft? Is that what I'm supposed to... An American writer. Yes. Do you not know this? Nope. Okay. Nope. Oh, my. Oh, my I'm a huge word. fan of horror, too, and apparently... Oh, Cthulhu. Yes. He's oh. the guy who created Cthulhu. He created the Elder Ones. He created uh, yogg Oh, that would make sense. Like, all the of those... The RimWorld mod that I'm using is H.P. Lovecraft. Uh... Oh, my word. <laughs> Listen, I'm just kind of dumb, you know? I can't believe you do not know who H.P. Lovecraft is. Now, he listen, had, he now, died in 1937. I'm going to say this. I'm going to know I him. Gotta, hey, I got to say this real quick, Aaron. Dungeoneer does not agree with any of his racism or horrible political beliefs. Like his his whole thing that kind of makes him terrible. <laughs> but he well, yeah, his personal wrote, views are yikes. Yeah, he wrote some great stories that were very interesting <coughs> to read, and he has inspired a lot of modern horror writers, and the kind of whole genre of existential horror. That is what we appreciate here at Dungeoneered. Now, a lot of these are supposed to be these kind of enigmatic gods that just are so beyond us that they're hard to understand. In this book, and in some more D&D lore, they have fleshed them out to a level that is not H.P. Lovecraft his way of doing it because the whole point is that they're so unknowable that they're horrifying so a lot of them like what you're saying with this image kind of lose that horrifying feeling when you can see it in an image i mean i'm not gonna lie he looks kind of funny he oh he like, definitely he does. showed up father showed limic, up on my doorstep i'd probably laugh yeah father limic looks very silly but that's the <laughs> thing like they're not so, they're supposed to be these unknowable he, aliens of immense power Okay, now work with me here. Yes. He kind of looks like an overweight Sid the Sloth with prey mantis arms. I was going to say, I was going to relate him to a cartoon character. Uh, there was that kind of Monsters um, Monsters vs. Alien movie, I think it was. No, and I they have, And there's like the giant human woman and then a bunch of aliens, like slimes and whatnot. I mean, like monsters. And then they fought aliens to prevent an alien invasion. One of the monsters in it i believe was like a insect type 
that's what I would uh, relate him to. He, he, he has like those weird little bug eyes like Sid the Sloth does, though. Come on, you're seeing it the more you look at it. Um, <laughs> you know who Sid the Sloth is, right? I do. Uh, uh, from uh, He's on the same level as HP Lovecraft. We don't accept his political views here. <laughs> Although I don't know either of their political views, so I can't actually say, but... <laughs> But so okay, let's let's go on to the next one. Right? <laughs> Anyways, who's next? <laughs> the next is the Hulks of Zoratha. They're five guard again. I said this last episode. I'm going to say it again. All of my pronunciations are going to be wrong. Let's just blank. Nah, you're a linguist. Again. You're a true linguist. Five gargantuan statues imprisoned for thousands of years, if not more. They wish for their imprisonment to end, so they can end. So they can make this world their own. Because their planet was destroyed, and Toril is just perfect for them to start again. Next is the Leviathan. In D&D, each plane of existence is made up of some value of chaos and law added to one another to create balance. The Leviathan is all of the chaotic energy that is left over. It is a giant serpentine creature of chaos wishing nothing more than destruction. Next is Pandorum, an evil force from the place between the planes, and their mind has been imprisoned in a huge crystal. Next is Ragnora, mother of oh, monsters. This is my favorite one. A hideous malformed monstrosity from the time of the gods. They are a sentient force creating monstrous life on the worlds it contacts. Its goal is to fill the worlds with these creatures, these monstrosities. He's so cute. There are silver runes distributed throughout the astral sea, warning of her return to the material plane. Yeah. I mean, so they're like, she will eventually return to the material plane and horribleness will come. Be warned, like the, be warned. She's like the pet slug you had as a kid, you know? <laughs> Keep her in a little jar. <laughs> Now, Sertrus, a vast demonic snake. Originally, he was a powerful demon lord of the abyss. But when the dragon queen wished to raise her army against elemental enemies, she sent couriers to call Sertrus to aid her. But he slew every one of them. And in turn, she slew him. And she slung him into the area between the plains, where he has only been able to take on this snake form he wishes to regain his full power and take back his level of the abyss. Next is Caius, the worm that walks. A 30-foot tall giant composed of worms and maggots. Nice. Caius is said to usher in the Age of Worms, where the undead will rise and destroy the world. The Age of Men is over. The time of the worm has come. Name that quote. Not sure. Oh. <gasps> Oh, no. You're not sure? Not sure. What is it from? Lord of the Rings. When he stabs the last, the human guy, the orc dude, the orc, ca orc captain before Minas Tirith. Ah. But he says time of the orc has come instead of worm. But that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> I don't know why. Interesting. I recently rewatched those movies, and that was not a scene They're that so stuck good. out to me, I guess. They are ah. really good. I, I had a friend that said he had never seen them, and I was like, this is madness. We are doing a wow. marathon. Wow. And so Hot we take. Did. The movies are better than the books. Continue. I would not agree with that. I'm. I'm what? gonna. I love the Ugh. books. Oh, the books are boring. They're snooze fest. You're a snooze fest. Good lore. Now, see the thing is, snooze I, fest. I also like. Now, this is a hot take. That not even a hot take because I don't. I understand that people it's don't a like it. Take. <laughs> I, I understand, and I don't. Really, I'm not taking a stance. I'm just saying I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the Cimmerillion, but that's a topic I, for another I never time. read those ones, actually. Oh, if you thought the, the books were a snooze fest, this is double that in snooze fest. Oh, I read more. those books and I was like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> uh, I'm out and I didn't touch any more. You have, to, you have to really enjoy lore, which I do to enjoy that type you of a book. You have to really enjoy reading a history book. I, about a I, I love history. I mean, that's why I like doing the research for these episodes is because I enjoy learning about this. Whoa, type whoa, of stuff. whoa. I do all the research for these episodes. Sorry. My apologies. You're right. That's why you, you read do. all my research. I am yeah. reading all of your research, and you are just yeah. providing, like, yeah. you're acting like you've never heard yeah. it. Like, wow. Yeah. That's exactly. amazing. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah you're really yeah, no, good exactly. at it. Exactly. I know who this Zargon is, you know? Haha. See, now it does sound like you might be doing the research. <laughs> because you read the the caption of my picture. Now it's Zargon the Returner, a vicious beast crowned with a solitary horn. His origin is unknown, but he has been entombed under a fallen city for his evil actions. He wishes to conquer the world, worlds, sorry, multiple of them, and drown them in a torrent of slime. I don't know exactly what that means, but it was stated in multiple areas, so I'm going with it. I, 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 that's disgusting. Yeah. He looks cool in the picture. <laughs> drown them in a torrent of slime. Now, in this picture, he's got a bunch of, like, hook noodle arms, like noodle arms with hooks on the end. Tentacles? No, noodle arms. Well, he had tentacles. Do those move? Because if they if if those hooks don't move, he's at a serious disadvantage too. How is he supposed to drink? Oh tea? no! So no, it definitely the looks like okay, so I, they, it looks like he is he is it's like a cyclops with a weird almost alien from alien kind of head piece and a unicorn horn and then yeah, I mean he's just it definitely looks like for anybody who has read H.P. Lovecraft. It looks like when someone takes a description of H.P. Lovecraft's, like, Eldritch Horrors and tries to draw it, and you're like, that doesn't really, that doesn't make sense. I like, see the inspiration. Yeah, like, you could see the inspiration, but you're like, I don't think that's what it is. But yeah, so it's like, it has these tentacles that have these kind of hooks at the ends, almost like Kasari Gama's, um... I don't even know who that is. Uh, no, Kasari Gama is a weapon. I don't even know what that is. Come on, Mr. Japanese. It doesn't doesn't mean I know Japanese weapons. I know, but I assumed you would know more than I would know. Yeah, Kasarigama. Uh, they are a... Oh, they're like ninja stuff. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's just using a bunch of more language that I don't want to mispronounce. It's a chain sickle. Yeah, it's a chain sickle. That's a good way of yeah, putting it. Yeah, he does have chain sickle arms. Yeah. But again, serious disadvantage. Well, uh, okay. So now they, they these are just the nine creatures that are in the book. There are many more elder evils... As you can tell from these creatures' descriptions, they come in all different shapes and sizes, but they are all ancient, and they are all very powerful. I can see why Ragnora is the one that's most feared. Truly a beautiful entity. Uh, so I've looked for specifics on this next part, but I couldn't really find anything definitive. Like, even when I looked up this specific thing, I couldn't find <laughs> anything. But it simply said that the Aboleth Empire... Which, do you remember Abolith from, like, episode two, I think it was? Yep. They somehow did something that caused Elder Evils to infest some of the stars of realm space. What the heck? But they unlike... probably put them in, like, giant t-shirt cannons and just shot them into space. But unlike normal stars, they had no set course and would move erratically across realm space. Now, one of these star Elder Evils is the powerful being Hadar. Oh, that's where he comes from. Mm-hmm. So he's like a giant star out in space. He's a glow he glows a red cinder color. Yeah, and doesn't he like consume everything and eat everything or whatever? Yes, yeah, so he so the fun thing about before we talk about Hadar is uh this is for you, Aaron, because you were so shocked about this last time, which I'm really surprised that you're shocked about because they do this with like any sort of lore heavy world. Um there's a trilogy of books just on the abolithic sovereignty called exactly that abolithic sovereignty i posted a link to it in the uh, discord as well so if you want to look at those books you should wow now as you were saying hadar uh he is known as the dark hunger mm. hadar is actually a dying star slowly burning away into nothing he sends his people the heralds of hadar to toral to feed on living creatures in an empty attempt to avert his own death. In the lore, few are actually bestowed with the ability to, to use his spells. They nearly all must be his warlocks, or they can't cast his spells, Arms of Hadar or Hunger of Hadar. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, in my campaign, I didn't want Hadar to be my big bad evil guy, so for the campaign that I had planned... I picked another one of these star elder. Harar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Called Caffin. <laughs> now, this is, I am 100% sure I am never, I don't know what how the name's supposed to be pronounced. It's C-A-I-P-H-O-N. Caffin. Caffin or Caffin, or I'm not sure. But he is also known as the Purple Star 
and the Dream Whisperer. <laughs> a fun trait of Caffin is that those who study its purple light in the night sky for a long period of time will begin to experience lucid dreams in which they literally are on the planet. The people who, who see it say Caffin is a world of purple fire that pulses as if it's alive and was covered with purple amoeba-like oceans. Amoeba-like oceans? That's disgusting. Yeah, so they all move and... Yeah. And your players killed this thing? No, no, this is a plan. They're going to have to try... I, we're going to figure out... You're going to figure out how they would have to defeat it. Maybe they have to study it long enough to have those lucid dreams to kind of face it on its turn. Whatever it is, it'll be, it would be cool. Huh. So in times of great need, when it felt like the gods were just ignoring the mortals of Toril, they will cry out to the stars. And unlike the apathetic nature of most of the Elder Evils, Caffin actually has been known to reach out and send emissaries when people call out to the stars. The emissaries would honestly help and solve the problem. Now, we could have a debate about if correlation means causation and any of that, but it seems the region where the emissary helped would soon after break into chaos and war, but I'm sure that's unrelated. Totally. Totally unrelated. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally no coincidence whatsoever. Nope, nope. I just, it just happens. Just happens. Yep, yep. (laughs) Now, like Hadar... Caffin has signature spe- has a signature spell. Did you say spell. Kevin? <laughs> Did you just say no, Kevin? No, I said Caffin. It sounded like you said Kevin. <laughs> now, like like Hadar, Kevin has a signature <laughs> spell. It's called Fevered Certainty of Kevin. Ah, yes. Good old Kevin. <laughs> when cast, Fevered Certainty of Caffin bestows upon its caster with dark and forbidden knowledge, giving them advantage over those in various mundane or heroic tasks alike. However, the knowledge is toxic. No, is in, sorry. However, the knowledge is intoxicating and flushes the warlock with a small amount of madness of the far realm, which, like the benefits gained, last only for a moment. Oh, nice. Now, the spell is difficult to cast, and warlocks can only call upon Caffin's power in this way once per day. This is not in 5e. No, not at all. Mo- the, uh, there's a lot of spells that were have not been brought into 5th edition because I don't think they know how to balance it. They'd be like, I don't know how, what does this do? Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> we no, don't even I'm have al- a sanity system. Yeah. No, I'm almost done. No, they do. They they have... There's the 5e? The madness would... Well, there's madness charts that you roll on to see when you get mad, when you go mad, what... <laughs> What, like, when you go insane, Aaron, it's when you go insane, what kind of effects... I'm angry. <laughs> yeah, when you hulk you out, a blood what kind vessel of in your left you eye. But, yeah, so it could be anything from you kind of gain OCD to, like, there's a lot... Of, it's, there's a chart that you roll on. It's in the DMG. It's in the Dinner Bastards. No, oh, I've never used it. I, I've used it a few times because there's a few things I've, that like, read the DMG, like... <laughs> Oh, I've never read through the whole DMG. <laughs> I've probably opened it like I bought it and I probably opened it like twice. <laughs> I've used it to look at like uh, magical <laughs> items and like I learned a lot of the. Uh, okay, yeah, I guess I opened it a lot for magic items, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I learned. I did a lot do of like a dungeon rules. layout once. Yeah, yeah, I learned a lot of the rules of D and D from experience playing yeah, it. Yeah, I learned it from as a player and and then critical role and yeah and kind of. Yeah, just slowly over time, got yeah. all of it down. And then when I need to look up uh, uh, for a specific event happening, I can just look it up pretty easily on D&D Beyond. Yeah. So I don't open any of my books that much anymore. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the now, same boat. I'm almost done. But before I finish, I want to mention one more Elder Evil. Ooh. Ooh, is this bit bit of a lot of No, that one that I just oh. posted because it was funny. Uh, and we have talked about this one previously. He is called Eldest. He is the head of the Abolith Empire and ha- and was believed to be the first Abolith to make it to Aber Toril. Aboliths never stop growing, so Eldis is insanely massive, and he lives on top of the Abolith capital of Zifu as if it was a drone. That's how big he is. Wait, you said he was what? He's so big that he lives on top of the capital of the Abolith as if it was a throne. <laughs> Wow, that's, that's uh, not yeah. quite as big as the the world baby, but... 
the fetus world, but pretty stinking big. Yeah, it really is. So what I, all of these creatures that we've talked about, these elder evils, are warlock patrons. Like that, they get warlocks and then they try to get them to, like for some of them, it's to free them or to kind of give them an access point to the material plane. And so through learning about these, I would like to create our own warlock patrons. Maybe we create multiple, maybe we just create one by the end, but that's my cool. idea for this week. Talking longsword, done. Okay, thanks for the episode. It was great. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I made my warlock patron. Just a sword. Uh, no, I think we should do a bow. <laughs> oh, bow. Okay. Wink. <laughs> wink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wink, wink. Hint, hint. I'm going to play a Hexblade Warlock soon in his campaign, and so wink, wink, hint, hint. Heck yeah. I'm hoping that we just like, we just make it right now, and then I'll know all about my patron. And then you'll just... <laughs> <laughs> yep, you'll know everything about it. All right, let's let's dive in. Let's make it right now. We need a beast of some kind. I kind of like I kind of like leaving it a secret though. So let's not actually do that. But no, but, <laughs> of course not. No, no. Yeah, no, I no. love this secret of figuring out who did I make this pact with. Or yep, that's the yeah. best part of Warlock. Like my favorite thing about it. I love Warlock so much. Yeah, yeah. I even and like and the for those aspect of you who of... are like unsure, like who who don't really know what we're talking about. Like Critical Role did it amazingly with the character of Ford and kind of like yeah. figuring out who his patron is and like having to deal with that. And then he rejecting his patron and like, it's yeah. beautiful. I love that trope so much. It's like it's my so favorite good. thing in D and D. Yeah. And they, it just was done so well. Yep. So cool. Anyways, we have to make some sort of creepy warlock entity patron thing. What do mm -hmm. we want to do? What do we want to take inspiration from? Let's make a parrot, a parrot warlock patron. Just because you're staring at your bird? No, she's looking at me funny. See? Yeah, she's like, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> <Yeah>. Hello. <laughs> Don't ignore me. Anyways. Uh, so, no, I hmm. think I think we make, like, an elder evil. Like, one of these okay. giant... Like, I love, I love like, there all these stories of the elder evils. Like, not even, like, not diving into the stories, but just, like, the idea of a vast demonic snake that was originally a demon lord of the abyss that was thrown into the kind of area between planes like all of these are so like mythologically giant stories and they're so cool and they'd be so great to like have a player have to discover like find out who is my patron and they kind of slowly find this lore and myth and other warlocks of the patron yeah i actually i think we talked about this in another episode but just going along the warlock lines my last warlock in my last campaign the one that i dm for there was actually she had two patrons and there was a war between them for her soul interesting yeah now, does so it, she were they double warlock How so yeah so there were there there was a so she had like a a horrible like plague like a disease um that was caused by one of the warlocks and the other warlock was saving her. The other God was saving her from it. And the other one was using it to like control her. And the other one was saving her from killing, like killing her. Mm. And so there was like a war over her body and her soul. And so she would constantly went through these like dreams of like good and bad of like, um, one of these like horrifying, terrible dreams and others of these like peaceful, um, serene dreams. Yeah. It was super fun, but she abandoned it all and signed her life away with a hag, an ancient hag. Anyways, that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we need to we need to make something something cool, something creepy. I noticed that we don't have like a giant flesh mound. I like giant flesh mounds; those are creepy. I guess Ragnora is kind of that way. What do you okay? What do you mean by giant flesh? I mean, you do love your giant flesh mounds, like you wanted your <laughs> flesh titan last week. Yeah, <laughs> best creepiest, grossest things of all time. I don't know. I, what do you want to like? What do you want to? Do you want to make a serpent? Do we want to make a? I'm thinking. I'm thinking like we they make, have a maggot worm mound. That's kind of creepy. Yeah, they do have that. That was uh, uh, the worm that walks Caius. Now I was thinking like a star, like Caffin, like some sort of like like some sort of patron like Hadar, where it's this massive thing, and like some of the spells you get is literally like you open a portal to this thing, like. Uh, bag of devouring like you know there's like the bag of devouring it looks like mm -hmm. it's a magic item it looks like the bag of holding yeah and when you put anything that's organic in it it tries to eat it and so so you want to make like a extra planar yeah so something that like maybe you have to send bodies to it every so often or or like there's you have to feed it in some way like uh there's that children's book um 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> what? There's a, chil- there's a children's book about feeding bodies to extra planar no, entities? No, it's it's just it's about oh. a it's about a, a giant monster that like constantly eats everything. Here kids. And they the the whole town is trying to like feed it enough to get it sated and it just is never satisfied. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I forget what it's called, but it's like this gray little Clifford monster. the big red dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's insatiable like that, but who knows? Oh man. Okay, so what does this creature look like? What do we want it to look like? What do we, what do we want it to do? Well, so maybe it's a Hadar thing where you don't even like you you never actually see what it fully looks like. You just see tentacles from it, or maybe that for this one it's a giant arm. Yeah, but I like I like it a warlock patron an eldritch horror to be like physical and terrifying. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Like a worm, or like a. Okay, so I'm thinking it's it's quadruped, so it's on four legs, but they're all like monkey, like they're all hands. Oh gosh, are you doing like some Miyazaki? Now its creepy. head is like one giant eye. Isn't is, and are it there does creatures not in D D that have a one eye like for its head? I don't think so. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. But I like, like the idea of like a head is just one eye. It doesn't have a mouth doesn't have you can't see that it has ears but it can clearly hear i like the idea of like a and it's kind of this almost like because uh, you like fleshy things it's almost this kind of like <coughs> fleshy like it like there's like this internal fleshy pink color to it that it's like it, it's just not quite right skin color it's like way too pinky kind of raw almost looking like, no, like scrub, scrub off the first layer of your skin and you kind of have that red mark the red kind oh, of gross. skin underneath. That's gross. what its whole skin looks like. And maybe you can even see the veins within it. See, what I like, see... And it's cold-blooded, this, so all the veins are blue. That's so gross. What I'm what I'm thinking is very similar along these lines. But I love, and this could just be my love for horror and terrible stuff, but mm-hmm. I like, like, a tangled mass of, like, limbs and body parts and, like, people that are all alive and moving, like are beyond dead but they're still like squirming and moving and writhing and they all like are talking and like moaning at the same time this huge massive entity that's just composed of all these like stitched together body parts Mm -hmm. i love that kind of stuff it's so gross so creepy and so like i like the idea of i don't know i like the idea of like a eye i don't know but is that too tropey so it's just an eye I think eye is too tropey, you know? It's just a giant ear. <laughs> just a single <laughs> ear. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> that's, its, that's its catchphrase, which which the inside of the ear actually moves like a mouth. Oh, it's horrifying. You do not want it has to. Like a has like a special move that like shoots earwax at you or something. That's oh, so gross. Nasty. <laughs> <laughs> when you see it, it has candles around it that's all made from its own earwax. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gross. Get out of its swamp, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gross. No. <laughs> no, but I'm thinking like a some sort of like entity with all these like bodies entangled and stuck within it that like move and control on its own. And it would have like these abilities where like if you get too close, some of the like arms and stuff can reach out and like grab you and like try to pull you into its body and it like absorbs you into its body. And maybe, like, dreams that you have of it would be, like, you getting, like, absorbed into this creature. Is your bird on its screaming post? She's not on my sc- her screaming post, but she is on the screaming shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like your it. whole room at some point is the screaming thing. It oh, oh, she's in Aaron's screaming room. Scream room. Yep. Just scream wherever you're at. That's pretty much my bird. Anyways, but I was thinking, like, like these dreams of these creatures, like... A very like consume i guess mentality where it's like eating you and taking over and i love the idea of like some of your like physical appearance starts to be taken over by other parts of the creature be so creepy be so creepy and gross okay sorry can you can you summarize that for me again because i don't think i have a good image of it in my head yeah so i was thinking like a I guess a mound of like bodies, like all intertwined and stitched together, like multiple of these bodies, almost like a, um, the corpse, um, 
it's called like the corpse. Uh, oh gosh, what is it called? It's like the the war thing. The corpse. Yeah, it's yeah, a monster yeah. D&D. Corpse yeah, collector. Yeah. There we go. Yep. Yeah, corpse collector. Yeah, kind of like that, but like instead of like, isn't that mostly bone though? No, no. Corpse collector is definitely flesh. Oh no, not even like this though. I'm thinking it's more like, like bipedal. No, I'm thinking. Well, yeah, this one looks pretty good though. I'm thinking more of like a like a almost like a shambling mound, like a, the D and D monster. Mm-hmm. But instead of like vines and roots and stuff, it's like body parts that are like intertwined and stuck and stitched together. And I love the idea of it having like this face that's like blank except for like stitched together like um, pieces. That yeah, that's horrifying. Um, <laughs> so it's like a. Uh... Uh, like a Frankenstein, but like it's like so it's gonna have like four eyes of four different faces that are all kind of well. So what I'm thinking together. is the body itself is literally like a giant mass. So like this huge mound that kind of like shifts and moves with all of these arms and legs and like even like like heads and like like people's like chests and stuff that are like stick out mm-hmm. of this creature and they all kind of move on their own accord and like squirm and like writhe in their own accord and like the mouth like all the heads and stuff are like screaming and moaning um like that type of thing okay an important and then, thing to think about is who is going to want this as their patron well if you don't know that it's your patron okay you know, and kind of the purpose of a warlock patron like they give you a an ultimatum and you say yes or no and you don't really know anything about it I mean, normally you know something. Yeah, you know that it gives you powers and it rescued you or whatever. Or it, you know, helped you do something. Interesting. And so what is this creature's goal then? I have no idea. That is an excellent question. (laughs) I like the idea of, like, every time it consumes one of these creatures, it, like, gains its memories. But that's also pretty tropey. Or its knowledge. But that's pretty Mm -hmm. tropey, too. That's a pretty tropey D&D thing, right? It happens in, like, Abolis, right? Yeah. And Mind Flayers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, here's another one. What if it like every time it consumes a creature, it like it this is going to be super weird, but it like gains its emotions and it enjoys like the emotions. It brings it. It makes it feel alive like a warm. Yeah. Yeah. Like all it does is it eats that emotion. Yeah. And it makes it feel alive. So that's why the bodies are all still there, like entangled within the creature itself. But they're all emotionless. Wants to feel alive again. Yeah. And so every time it consumes a creature, it gets that like feeds off those emotions, and then they mm-hmm. come part of like the emotionless mass that is his body. Yeah, and it never dies. <laughs> so gross. It, and it never <laughs> dies. But the longer it goes without feeding, the more ravenous it gets for yep. emotion. Yeah. Now. Yeah, and its ultimate goal it is to like the emotion of its warlocks. That's a good question. Is that another way it gets emotional energy? And that's why it has warlocks is because it feeds on their own feelings. Yeah, I like that, actually. Like, it also essentially feeds on the warlock. Yeah. And maybe, and you'd have to do some, like, player discussion, but maybe, like, if your player would be okay with something like this, but maybe, like, its ultimate goal is to lure the warlock to it. So it gives, like, all these dreams and stuff. Well, so... Of, like... I was thinking the warlock might also be, like... Every time the warlock kills something, that it also gained. feeds it. Yeah. So like it wants the warlock to keep killing. That's why it's willing to like give them more power, more things as they go up levels. It wants them to keep giving them more. Yeah. And maybe yeah. maybe what happens to make it kind of like if if you want it to go to a kind of it becomes dangerous for you, the warlock. Maybe it just gets more ravenous as you feed it more and more and more. And it thinks it's helping it, but maybe it's like a um, a drug where it kind of builds up a tolerance. And so it needs something more extreme and more extreme until it until it's not getting a hit at all from the warlock. And maybe yeah. that maybe that becomes a high level adventure of it's not getting anything from you. It's coming to kill you. It believes yeah. that is the next step in its hit. Yeah, how would it how would it like come to kill you though? That's the question. Would it like I don't know, would it I mean, I don't see it like if it's like huge like we're thinking of cuz like elder evils seem pretty big. Like Well, it sounds like this one's going to be I mean, cuz I think we're just making a warlock patron at this point. Yeah. It doesn't have to be as big as an elder evil. So I think it could ease I think it's just the size of large. Yeah, so it like 
can move around and like chase after the warlock or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it, <laughs> I thought this I I've seen this image so many times. I assumed it was just a D&D monster. It wasn't. So the thing that I was thinking was not a corpse collector. It's called a war titan. Uh, I'm going to yeah, post the image in our Discord. It is, uh, I mean, it's very similar to what we're talking about. Uh, it is a horrifying mass of um, horrifyingness. Um, anybody, if you want to look, like, I, I know it's on Pinterest. Um, I'm sure it's Ooh. other places. Oh, my gosh. I had a random idea. Yeah, go for it. So what if, instead of the creature moving around itself, it can, like, detach one of the bodies and send it to go and, like, try and fight and kill the warlock or get the warlock? Okay, then question. Is it a horrifying, blubbery mass like uh, like a like a hut from Star Wars where it just <laughs> no. kind of sits and is lazy and then so, it releases one of these bodies when it... Oh, gross. When it wants. No, I'm just, I'm picturing, like, you can see, like, a lot of the bodies and stuff, but I'm just picturing one, like, like, Oh, no, I definitely think you could see all the bodies. I was just saying, do you think, like, it's so, maybe it is Elder Evil size now. Well, that's what I'm thinking, and it, like, literally, oh, so gross. Like, one of these creatures, like, breaks out through its flesh, like an orc being pulled from, like, in Lord of the Rings, like an orc being pulled from the the hatching pits. Yes. Like, a creature just like tears from its flesh. Okay, I'm posting like one of them just like now in our from its flesh. Discord, and I think this is exactly what you were thinking of. Um, it has a bunch of arms, a bunch of die dead people faces. Um, I'm gonna look at the artist and see if I can give credit right now. Art is by a artist called Eric Belial, and the person who created the stat block for it is Stone Strix. Yeah, so I'm thinking. Less faces, more, more flesh. Yeah, more legs. Like more goopy. So yeah, this, like so more legs and arms. Can't see it. Um, it looks like it's kind of like a giant creature with like really thick, like two really thick legs and really thick arms. Its body though is covered it's just a in a bunch of like screaming small heads. humanoid heads yeah. and some arms. And they it all looks like have if you were to take a cyclops and cut off its head and then just. So a bunch of arms and legs and bodies on it. Yeah, so a bunch of bodies to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking more mound, like more like a mound of like flesh and goop. Do you think it moves like like slug? Like you could even see like entrails and like... Yeah, does it slide it on the ground like a slug and leave like a trail Yeah, that's definitely what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm thinking. Okay, I'm definitely thinking this is some sort of demon lord or at least it once was. This is, this sounds like, like the kind of Oh yeah, that is a demon lord. Demon lords. Oh yeah, D and D. Like, I think it's Dweeblex, the like the god of slime, the demon lord of slimes and stuff. Like, do do demons follow um like laws and deals? Not as much as devils. No, demons are chaotic. Demons would never follow a deal. Um, they create patrons. They they do war. I think they do also. They do warlocks. Um, and they all have cults uh following them as well. But they, they rule, they, they have an area where they are the lord of. That's why they're called a demon lord. They rule yeah. a layer of what's called the abyss. And each one is horrifying in their own, each layer is horrifying in its own way. Um, the one I just posted <laughs> in the Discord is is Dweeblex. Uh, their realm is, it's a truly putrid realm of living rot, visible fumes, and no. bubbling ooze. <laughs> Upon arrival, visitors were exposed to one of the most sickening swamps in the multiverse, where even those who weren't horribly nauseated struggled to eat or keep down what they had already consumed. Yeah. Food and water (laughs) would quickly putrefy, even in bags or backpacks, and potentially transform into hostile oozes. Yep. See, I love that. Love that. Vast expanse of caustic inanimate sludge was broken up by two sluggish marsh marshes of mold and slime. That's so gross. There were no yeah. true oceans, only deeper marshlands. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and I like so, the like, idea of it, it being would, like... It would have its its own huge realm in the abyss. Of what is this? and blood and bodies. Yeah, so do you think it is Oh, yeah, whole I realm? see that. Do you think yeah, it totally. is its whole realm? Yeah. It's all just a mass of bodies and flesh, this whole yeah. realm... 
Now, yeah, what like do you move. think unique warlock spell it would have? What would it would it be like? Oh man, I, I'm thinking, I'm seeing a spiritual weapon, like a spiritual weapon, but it's literally like a disembodied hand, like an actual, like it's a bleeding physical hand. I okay, the first thing that came into mind would be like almost like arms of Hadar. Mm-hmm. Like you, you turn you turn the terrain around the creature into like flesh and bodies, and these like bodies like grab at the creature and like hurt them and stuff. That's that's the first thing I thought of. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to just like reskin arms of Fadar, you could probably do something like that. And like the land turns like this like knee deep flesh and blood as you mm-hmm. like sink into it, and all of these like bodies and arms like all these bodies like crawl out and try and like grab onto you as you make your way past. That's the first thing I thought of. <coughs> so that sounds more like a hunger of Hadar than an arms of Hadar. Arms Got of it. Hadar would be like, so <laughs> also horrifying. Um, a bunch of arms like this, like sprout from out of the character's chest. And anybody within 10 feet of them is battered by the arms coming out ah. of the creature's chest. Got it. The thing that makes the area is hunger of Hadar, where the area is affected by this pulling and... Yeah, opens a gate yeah, would... to the dark between the stars is what it says. Yeah, a I mean I can also see an arms of Hadar. Horrors. A twenty foot radius sphere of blackness and bitter cold appears. No light, magical or otherwise, can illuminate the area, and creatures fully within it, the area, are blinded. The void creates a warp in the fabric of space, and the area is difficult terrain. Which difficult terrain could be just because there's so many bodies there. Any creature that starts its turn in the area takes 2d6 cold damage, which you could just make it like bludgeoning damage as these arms are physically attacking you, or necrotic energy, maybe. Any creature that ends its turn in the area must succeed on a deck save or take 2d6 acid damage as See, milky, otherworldly tentacles rub against them. This is what I think. I like the... So, I think it would be... You would, like, create this similar to, like, Hunger of Hadars. Like, it would be, like, this field of like flesh and bodies mm-hmm. and the longer you stay in the like deeper they pull you down if you fail these saves and they could eventually like pull you all the way into and make you like essentially like you were like realm. swallowed like yeah you, were you become sw- a like, part of of yeah this being that's yep. horrifying and then what you would do is if the if the character like dies in there mm-hmm. his body is taken to the entity and becomes a part of the entity yeah yeah that's horrifying. so gross <laughs> yeah it does so sound nasty. very much like this creature, though. Yeah, like it grabs onto you and like slowly ch- bring, like pulls you into its own body. Okay, so, so we have nasty. we have this creature's what it wants. It wants emotions, and and it gets that by killing or by creating uh, warlocks that kill. Yep. Uh, it has this horrifying body spell where it creates an area of bodies that kind of continually pull and drag. Yep. Uh, maybe maybe. Maybe it's like a web spell. Maybe it's like the web where they either are restrained or not. And then if they are killed within that, then they are dragged down into the portal below. Yep. Yeah. The question is, is how did it like get there? Like, how did it? How did what get where? What's its backstory? Like, what's its? Um, Was it just created? Was it? I'm not sure how demon lords are normally created. I have not done a episode on those yet. Um. I mean, okay, so if, what? So putting it into our world that we've been making so far, yeah. wh- where where do we see this fitting? Do we just see this as, like, some sort of entity just somewhere? Like, do we just well, so that's see the thing. this as a something lot of, in the world? As it seems from what I've been reading, a lot of totally demon outside. our origin are unknown. Yeah, so there's just this unknown entity that... It's just this horrifying creature that has existed since early on in history. And maybe there's, like, historical evidence of a warlock of it every so often. Yeah. And it just kind of seems like it's always existed and it's always been a part of this abyss, which is, yeah, it seems like a lot of these, like even especially okay, these also Elder thinking. Evils, a lot of them are like 100% unknown how they truly came into existence. I also like a a little bit more humanoid origins as well. So it started as one creature, uh, one person, like a human one person on who slowly of- went insane and maybe, and maybe, because this kind of sounds similar to that what the hags did to that one dude. Yeah. Like, what if they're... What if it was made by those hags? No, not necessarily made by the hags, but what if they're trying to, like, implement and copy something for power and 
aiding the corruption. Huh? Because the hags create, because we had that hags who created that, like, fallen yeah. angel or whatever, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. <coughs> the paladin that was corrupted, yeah. Yeah. Because it sounds somewhat similar to that, because we had them, like, stitch different pieces on to, like, mm-hmm. gain their abilities and powers. Yeah. What if they took oh. inspiration from this ancient entity? Yes, yes, I, yes. They had cells or something of this creature. Yeah. Yeah. They like grafted it on. For sure. That is great. Yeah. yeah. And so he is essentially a paladin of this entity also. Yes, I really like that idea. And so then would that mean that this entity is aiding the corruption? No, I, I think it was more like... I think this creature. Do you think this creature is is super intelligent? I was thinking they're kind of mindless and almost like they're maybe they're semi intelligent, like a they get eight intelligence, and then as they get like go longer or they kind of don't have a hit of this drug emotion, they become they more kind of and get, more like yeah, more rabid, savage. more animalistic. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Depending it's, on what stage they're in. Yes, but I like the idea of it starting as like a hu- like a human, like a person. mm Hmm. Now, and I, I like it, it that it's not its own plane. I like it that like it's somewhere in the material plane. Like this person just wandered into like some sort of cave system. Oh, so you, like, you think this thing is? Yeah, I I would like I I okay. I want it to still be connected. I'm okay with it being connected to the material plane, but I think it has to be like there's some disconnect. I would have it be like the underdark. So it still technically is connected with the with the material plane. It's just it's still you have to like purposely go there. Because it's really hard to hide something like this for a long time. Agreed. But I, I love the idea of, like, this poor soul, this poor human kind of slowly. And I, I don't like I don't know if I'd want it to be like a wizard where he like experimented with like. What I wanted to. What I'm human thinking flesh. Is, I'm thinking it was a <coughs> it was a like warlock. At one point, it was a warlock of another thing. And maybe it went through like a rebellion where it didn't like the creature it was attached to. And maybe in its attempt to kill it, it kind of as a latch diff ditch effort kind of like bound itself to this human. Okay. And they kind of together transformed into this now creature that they are. What if we do? What if we went like a very cliche route? Okay. What if we went like a... Somebody was trying to become like a lich or something and something went wrong. Interesting. Like someone or someone was trying to or even like I like this warlock idea or someone was trying to break from their warlock pact and they had like their emotions stripped from them. Oh, and so and they kind of went mad through that. Yeah. And they ended up like anything. Yeah. And so they ended up wandering into some sort of, you know, cave system or something and dying there essentially. But they ended up like. I don't know, like along, like how, like along the way, did they like experiment on? But like, did they take people's bodies? Like they knew they could gain emotion from killing people. I I think it. I think I think the being like how do you emotion, get from a single person who like dives dies in a cave to an entire like cave system full of this like flesh and well, so I I think warlock. I think we start warlock, <coughs> fought their patron. Their patron did something that stripped them of all emotion. Yeah, stripped them of all their powers. I'd assume. Yeah, uh, like the consequences are more than you just can't cast out of the blast anymore. Yeah, you know? yeah, and so I think one of the things that they kind of, um, like it was okay at first, but then they kind of like maybe there was a corruption in it. Maybe they are partially corrupt. Maybe that maybe something. I'm not sure exactly, but but nah, I think we should stay away some, from corruption. Well, no, I I was more meaning like the the patron did something because so you're right. Something has to happen. To there kind has of, to be a bridge. That we're yeah, missing. there has to be something to kind of push them to yeah. insanity, really. To right. which I was thinking, like maybe it's continue of the drug thing, where it's like it it began to feel like they lived their whole life with emotion, and they they for a while it's okay, but it becomes like a withdrawal where they're like, I can't feel anything, I can't feel anything, and so they try to do all these things to to feel alive. And it's just kind of basic things like okay. risk taking and stuff now, like that, and then kay. they start doing magic. Okay, I have an idea. Okay, and this is going to be a little bit over PG thirteen, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking like this person gets robbed of emotions and tries everything within the world to gain pleasure, right? So they do 
anything inexperienced to try and gain and feel emotion. And they end up creating this like strange cult of, you know, 200 followers or something. And all of them make their way down into this cave system and are cursed forever. And they kind of all form this like entity out of some sort of like ritual or some sort of like. Oh, you're going all slanesh with this. Well, like what if. Well, yeah. So what if they like. (laughs) Okay. So these men like so this guy who started this cult, these members that like kind of follow him slowly begin to lose their emotions as well. So the, the longer you stay with this person, the curse is that way he can't have like any relationships. Every person around you also starts losing their emotions. And so people who get grafted towards this person eventually fall into this same trap. And so he gains this like fall this cult following where they all are trying to feel and gain this emotion. And so they try and essentially combine their emotions in some sort of horrific either ritual or horrific like yeah probably ritual like this horrific ritual where they combine all of their emotions together but it fails and doesn't work because of this curse and they become this horrible writhing mass i I like this i think i think what they tried to do is they try to they try to bind themselves with a person who does feel so they steal so they kidnap someone who is yeah, not okay. a part of this cult. Yeah, I like that too. They try to combine themselves with And they with try to them. like stitch them to each yes, other. Exactly. Oh, so that they can so that they can feel what that person feels because oh, that person can then, still feel emotions. And yeah, then, so they like steal then, people. Well, so no, hold on. So what happens first is it works. That person feels intense emotion and all yeah. these other people want it. So they Literally quickly graph themselves together as well. And it creates this horrifying chain of just people yeah well so what i'm thinking and then magic is, gets involved yeah well what i'm so what i'm thinking is is i don't even like the idea of a ritual i like the idea of they're like taking people and stealing people and get, like convincing people into this cult essentially and stitching them to each other to feel like emotion and every time they do they feel emotion so some sort of like serious sadistic terrible stuff but what i'm thinking oh i just lost my train of thought dang it <laughs> i had a oh what i'm thinking As we is said earlier is, uh, must not have been that important <laughs> yeah oh no don't do that to me <laughs> um but what i'm thinking is is like if you were to run this like little dungeon or something mm-hmm. like in the beginning before they get to like its own individual place there'd be like people who have like a body stitched onto their like they're still the followers of this creature this cult mm-hmm. and so you could like you'd fight like these people who have like a body growing out of their like Another body head growing out of their, chest. their head, another uh, head sewn onto their body, another like arm or something. Yeah, and like so it's you clearly go... like it, it might even it's probably like not even functional. No, but it's just grafted on in a yep. horrifying, pointless, literally pointless way. But it's all in devotion of the uh, seeking of yep. this. Yeah, like and it has its own like followers now because of this cult that has grown from this single person who like convinced people and robbed of their emotions to like stitch each other like stitch all these bodies together to feel emotion and now there's these like cult members who are serving it who also start stitching bodies together Mm -hmm. and so you could even like if you're not running the corruption campaign that you're doing you could make this its own like little arc too where like you know you fight like cult members of this cult who are like Mm -hmm. literally stitching bodies to each other and like (laughs) yeah have another have another people disappearing uh storyline you're like hey a mission here for yeah i mean you don't even have to make it a people disappearing either like you can just the town is attacked or something you know like yeah it could be a full-on town attack yeah yeah it's like burned to the like it's burning to the ground and people are like like in the streets people are like stitching people together and like you know they're literally cutting people's arms off yeah yeah well yeah aaron um i'm i think i'm gonna step in here this is super gross it is it's super gross and so i think i'm gonna like say hey yeah that was episode stardew valley right stardew valley remember when we started talking about fishing in stardew valley where oh where it went uh i believe you well i have to blame myself because you're the one who came up with the research no, I'm the one who picks the topics and does the research, so I have to blame myself, you know. <laughs> well, uh, we didn't we didn't mention it again uh, last week, so I thought I'd mention it this week, and I'll try to uh, keep mentioning it. Um, yeah, write us a letter, uh, write us some emails, let us know if we you want any advice or tips on anything. Uh, it's uh, still the email is going to be uh, put in the description. Uh, it's just dungeoneered at gmail.com. Pretty yeah. easy. 
Um, yeah. Do we also want to make a special announcement, or are we going to save that for later? I say we save that for later. We got something exciting on the way. But, save uh, that for later? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. Yeah, save yeah. it for later. It's exciting. Yeah. It, we'll, uh, you'll, you'll hear it later. It's exciting. Um, thank you all for listening, for those of you who are continuing to listen to most of our episodes, and for those of you who are still catching up when you get here, thank you, too. Um, yeah, remember... To be the sharpest barrel in the bunch. <laughs> Gosh, dang it. Is that how you're ending it? See you next time. Is this where I say bye? Bye? There you go. <laughs> <laughs>